to be unbelievable, but God's word and believe in life. You know what humility is to take God's word as it is. Tongues and prophecy go hand This is Young Ecclesia Nation. Let your heart be flooded with light as you listen to the word of God in ministration. I Pastor Adulu Essien. God bless you. And write everything down. When you now read something like Hebrews chapter or First John chapter three, verse twelve it says, "Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and slew his brother, and wherefore he slew him, or why did he slay him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. So his works were what evil, his brother was righteous. So the reason he slew him was not really because he was jealous, but his works were what evil, his brothers righteous." Now, when we say his brother's works were righteous, we know that it has to be talking about towards salvation. It is, you know, remember that I said Genesis was written because of salvation. So if his works were righteous and this one's works were evil, we're talking about the response to salvation. So he killed his brother. Whatever um, thing that he killed his brother had to do with salvation, not really to do with jealousy or anything. No, the, the idea was salvation. <laughs> And now, the Bible tells us about Abel, something interesting about Abel, that Jesus himself says, something very interesting that Jesus says about Abel. Jesus says in Matthew 23, verse, Matthew 23, verse 29, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the, the tombs of the righteous, and say, if we had been in the days of our father, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. That, that means we would not have killed the prophets Wherefore, you be witnesses unto yourselves that you are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill you up the measures of your fathers, you serpents, you generation of vipers. How can you escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you shall kill and crucify, and some of them you shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zachariah. So you are seeing that he calls Abel righteous, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. And notice that he talks about the fact that they killed the prophet. So in this context, he's calling Abel a prophet. What is a prophet? A prophet is one that speaks on behalf of another. What is he speaking about in this context? Speaking about salvation. So if that's the case, then Abel, because we know Adam and Eve rejected salvation. They rejected God's plan. Um, Romans 5 just summarizes and says by one man's disobedience what was man's disobedience God's instruction to them was actually to choose life because we know that it says don't you eat this surely die so in other words speak this right Bible says that and let them have dominion he said or let man have dominion he offered man life man rejects the life man wants to go his own path man does not want to acknowledge him as God and man wants to go his own way and that is the sin or the disobedience of Adam then we now see the same thing offered to Cain and Abel. And Cain rejects it outright. He wants to go his own way, disobeys. Abel accepts it. So Abel becomes the first, you know, as I said, becomes the first guy who really, in other words, in quotes, ate of the tree of life. Not the same way Adam would have, but in the sense that he, he received what God had promised. You see that? Aha. So... <laughs> Obviously, that now means that between Cain and Abel, because the Bible says he was angry, you understand? So it means Abel now becomes like the how leprosy, because he's called a prophet, someone that speaks on behalf of God. 
he now becomes like that problem. So what is his own words? Is to talk, to preach the gospel, to speak about the gospel, to speak about what God has offered. So why did Cain kill Abel? His works were evil, right? And Abel's works were righteous concerning what salvation. So in other words, he hates, because we read that text where, is, that's, that's John, where he says, um, talks about Cain, uh, he slew his brother. He says, not as Cain, who was a wicked one, and slew his brother. And why did he slew him? Because his works were righteous, were, were evil, and his brother righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. So notice that he now begins to use that to talk about the hate of the world. Why does the world hate you? Because you keep on reminding them of the choice that they have that they don't want to acknowledge. Um, Romans chapter 1 verse 18 tells us, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So why does the world hate you? Because the world, the Bible tells us that what is plain about verse 19, because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. So in other words, God, there's a, there is a knowledge of God. There is this, there's the idea that there is a God. You understand? That, that you need God. There's something in your heart that yearns for God. But what do these people do? They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So why do they hate you? They hate you because, <laughs> the world hates you because you remind them of the choice that they have, that they refuse to acknowledge. You get that they keep on suppressing. And that is why they go after the church. That is why they, 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 they persecute. <laughs> you understand? That is why. So he now begins to explain that, you know, why Cain killed his brother is the same reason that the world hates you. Are you seeing that? Uh-huh. Exactly. Like persecution. It's the same reason that the world hates you. It wasn't that the guy was just jealous and sucked his thumb and went to kill his brother. No. It's that the gospel came. And we see how rebellious he was. Because after that, the Bible tells us clearly, um, it, it tells us clearly what he did next. The Bible says that Cain, uh, remember, it says that Cain, after that happened, the next thing is that, you know, if you read all, if you, if you don't know how to read the Old Testament, you just get carried away by everything, my punishment and all that. But it says, um, the next thing it says in verse 16, and Cain went out of the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, out of Eden. Now remember that um, it's the same thing we see of Adam and Eve where they leave the presence of the Lord. They actually leave God's presence. We're not seeing the same thing that Cain leaves the presence of God. So you are seeing that if you look properly, you know that he had his rebellion, <laughs> that his heart is just rebellious. Do you get? He's just rebellious. He doesn't want to go God's way, so he leaves the presence of God because it's very funny to think that God is the one that drove him out of his presence. No, the guy leaves the presence of God to further show his rejection of what God has offered him. Right? Uh-huh. So after that, the next thing that we see in his rebellion that he builds a city a city to sustain and affirm his rebellion against God, right? Because remember we said that the, the, the issue here is that God has offered man something. God has offered something to man, which is receive life in me. Man says, I don't want to receive life in you. I want, you know, I want what I want. I, I want life outside of you. And so that's why we say that Adam was not deceived. It's what he wanted from, you know, because he's, because he's man, man has desires. This is what Adam desires. He desires independence. He still wants the life. That's why when Satan comes and says, he talks about the fact that he can have life, you know, Satan in quotes lies and seeks to offer him the same life. So he still wants life, but he does not want to be attached to God. So he rejects God 
or let me use or he rejects that life because it's from God. And that life is meant to sustain him. What does he now do? He now tries to sustain himself with things. You get, he begins, he tries to, you know, you know, he covers fig leaves and all those things, sustain himself. So we now see Cain also in that same kind of rebellion. Cain leaves, <laughs> generally leaves the presence of God, right? He leaves that presence of God and he now goes to build a city. He goes to build a city. Remember that Genesis has a lot to do with salvation. It's not, these things were not just put there for, a joke or something. It's it's very strategic that they talk about the fact that, you know, a city was actually, you know, built. So we see that that's a rebellion. So that just that just you know it now helps you understand okay that that this is actually the, what is still at play today. That man's rebellion is just his desire to be independent of God, and when he decides that what happens, he begins to serve the go- another God. You understand because there is no vacuum. By, by not serving God, he begins to serve another God, which is actually himself, and which Satan now hides behind. You see what I'm saying? So that does basically is the whole concept. So you now understand thing. Really, it just explains it. So when you say love not the world, you understand that loving not the world is not really about whether it's cloth or that. No, no, those are just expressions of it. But the real thing about the world, when you say love not the world, what, what is the world's mindset of philosophy? It is that the world wants to be independent of God. They don't want to acknowledge God. Romans 1 tells us very clearly that philosophy. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, right? And unrighteousness of men who sub... So what, now look at this. What is the ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men? It says, who suppress the truth. So their ungodliness and their unrighteousness is that they suppress the truth. That they don't want it to be true. They don't want there to be a God. So you now realize that this is what you are facing out there when you actually go. It still bothers with some things we've been sharing. That they just don't want there to be a God. Why? They don't want to be accountable to that God. They want to go their own way. They want what, that's why they don't want, why should God tell us what is good and what is evil? We will decide what is good and what is evil, right? <laughs> Which some people will say was what we call the knowledge of good and evil, Sha. But, you know, we will decide what is good. Well, if we are not the one that will tell us what is good or what is evil, we want to go our own way. You understand? They want to declare independence of God. <laughs> you see that? Uh, verse 19, because what may be known of God is manifest in them. It is clear. It is clear. For God has shown it to them. God says, I've shown it to you. You get that, that, that I exist, that I'm there. It says, for God, for since creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Notice he says clearly seen. That is why I always like put the point for that a person, a, a human being that says there is no God, is just fighting what God has deposited there. God has put his knowledge. He has put it internally and externally so that the man is without a doubt. It is clearly seen. But then man, in that bid to declare independence, I don't want there to be a God. He will cook up every kind of thing. You see that? That self-centered heart will do anything, cook up anything just to suppress the truth. He says the invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by things that are made. So by looking at what is made, you can see even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. I see that. He says because although they knew God, so it tells you that men know God. I see that. Men know God. They know that there is a God. He says... They did not glorify God. They refused to, you understand, reverence him, to honor him as God. 
because you are the created you cannot if if because they don't want it to be god they want to be their own gods but you see you were created so you cannot be your own god i seen that you were made so you cannot be your own god you have to have god the god the definition of god would be the one that created you the one that made you and so the one that has the say in your life you cannot have the say in your life the one who made you must have the say in your life and this is why people don't understand that free will is a gift. The fact that the one that made you gives you a, a will to choose, you understand? People now take that to think that they actually have a choice. They actually have freedom. But really, if you look at it, do you really have a choice? <laughs> do you actually have a choice? You have a choice, yes, so, but your choice is destruction because the thing that is created cannot say to the thing that creates it, why did you make me this way? Um, you know, why, why did you say this? Why should I do Why should I do that? No, there's, there's a... There's a wisdom, you understand, a logic that says what is created should submit to the creator. You see that? It says, nor were they thankful, but became what? Futile or vain in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see that? Professing to be wise, they became fools. So you see that the wisdom of man here will not be defined from what? By his declaring independence of God. So they now that is actually a foolishness, but they term that independence of God as what wisdom, right? We see it all over the Old Testament. We see it when um, they built that city was Babel. Yeah, you see it that uh, in their foolish hearts, right? Uh -huh. They say they are declaring independence of God as a God, but they refuse to acknowledge that God. So in their so-called wisdom is foolishness, but their that their, their foolish wisdom is that look, there's there's that there is no God. You know what I'm saying? We can live independent of god right professing to be wise they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible god into an image made like corruptible man and birds and far-footed things and creeping things so you see that they begin to find they, they begin to in their vanity and everything they begin to now ascribe godhood to things are you seeing that to things and you can also look at this from two that is they go into idolatry and this idolatry can be the one that you see physically. They, you know, carve an idol out and bow to it. Or it can be the idol of material things, of status, of wealth, of fame, of natural things that they begin to use to gain the same or to try to gain the same significance and worth that only God, the creator that made them, can give them. Are you seeing that? So he says, therefore God gave them up to uncleanness in the loss of their hearts. So God does allow them. That's what it means. He gave them to it. He allows them to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchange the truth of God for a lie. You see that they suppress the truth of God by that. They, what? they exchange the truth of God for a lie. They rather, instead of believing that there is a God, they rather believe there is no God. They rather believe that they are their own God. They rather believe that they can determine their own paths or determine their own lives, that they don't need God to tell them what to do. So God allowed them to be like that. They exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve what creatures or the creation rather than the creator. Are you seeing that? So in other words, what when we say love not the world, what is what is the, the idea of the world? The world what loves they love what or they love and serve creation rather than right dominate creation. Are you seeing that? They love and serve you know creation rather than dominate creation. Do you understand? Instead of serving God and dom having dominion over creation, they love and serve creation. Do you understand? And that now becomes their God. Natural things become their God. Idolatry now becomes their, you know, is their thing. 
they don't want to serve God. So in the vanity of their minds, they begin to serve things. How? By going after things. They begin to, as they go after things, as they go after um, money, fame, and all those things, those things become their God. So they say there's no God, but they're deceiving themselves. It's foolishness because you've actually are just serving something else. You're just serving something else. But they would rather do that and acknowledge the creator. So verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchange the natural use. So you see that when they have done something that is unnatural, which is that they have, they've, they've exchanged the truth of God for a lie, then they now live in their own delusion. And since they are the ones who now determine their own way, determine their own path, determine their own lives, they are now the ones who decide what is right or wrong. So he says that for even their women exchange the natural use of what is against nature. Because in God, you find out that there's in, in the wisdom of God in how things are supposed to be done. There's a wisdom of God. There's the wisdom of God in his instructions. But you now decide that I will determine my own life, right? Aha. And that's why you must be able to sort out the different philosophies in the world where it talks about man has the right to determine his own path. It, it, there's you know, some things like talking about the right to liberty, to freedom, to happiness, and all those things. A man should determine his own way. No, the truth is that that is, if you're not careful, that will still be a branch of this problem, of this universal issue. God, you know, God wants man to, you know, God made man his God. He knows the path. He offers man like man rejects the life, right? So the man in rejecting God, they reject, it's like rejecting the manner, rejecting the author, rejecting the way God does things and they begin to do things their own way. So it says, also the, it says for the women exchange the natural use of what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman bonds in their loss for one another. Men, are you seeing this? All these so that means you just see, if you really look, you see the world today. And the problem, the problem with the world, you want to stop lesbian, you want to stop all these things. The problem with the world is that they reject God. That is just their problem. They want to be independent. That is where all these other things that we're dealing with today, you know, just become evident. And it's not a today's problem. I see that this is a problem from that scriptures clearly has clearly talked about from the beginning of time. This has been a problem. So because you are seeing more of all these gay movements and all, it is not now. No, 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 no. You understand? Aha, you see people being more materialistic, being more into all those things. These things are just the expressions of a man, of man's rejection of God. You see that? They bond their lives on, on a man with men committing what is shameful and receiving the due penalty of their error was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their... Look, I notice he keeps on talking about God. They did not like to what, retain God in their knowledge. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They suppressed the truth about God. Are you seeing that? Uh-huh. God gave them over to a debased mind to do things which are not fitting, being filled with unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wicked. You can actually just see our world today. So when it says love not the world, is that there is a philosophy that the world, you understand, has. There's a mindset the world has. There's a way the world does things. There's a way the world behaves that is all out of that paradigm of what? Of the rejection of God. You see that? sexual immorality. So, yeah, that's why you see that the world's lifestyle is just out of rebellion. They are looking at a rebellious lifestyle. Whatever the world does is out of rebellion. There's a rebellion, you know, in the way the world, in, and that is where you now start seeing the expressions, the way the world, they dress, the way they talk, the language they use, the way they behave. You understand? Their sexual desires and all those things, it is out of rebellion. So, it's not that they don't know. There's no God. No, 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 no. God says it has been made clear. And this is why nobody will be this without excuse. This is also why we say that even if a person doesn't hear the gospel, there will still be a grounds for judgment for that person. 
there will still be a grounds for judgment because they know it's there. God is not, he didn't leave himself without a witness. There's, the people know what they're doing. There's a knowledge inside that there's a God somewhere. You can't claim because your family was eaten and you bought his demise, you didn't think about it, you didn't sit down, you didn't ponder. There is that thing in man that tells man, look, there is a God. So it says, immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife. I've seen all of this, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters. I've seen inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, <laughs> undiscerning, untrustworthy. He lists so many things here. Untrustworthy, right? Unmerciful, unforgiving. Who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that all those who practice all things are deserving of death, not only do the same thing, but approve of those who practice them. i seen that. So they also know that there's supposed to be a just standard. They know these things, but they would rather go their own way, do their own thing. And that is why any man that finds himself inside hell deserves to be in hell. There's nothing like, um, oh, God is un unmerciful. No, he says it is clear to them. So even if you don't reach a person with the gospel and that person dies, we can believe that there's a standard of still judging that person. We cannot just say that the person did not know. You understand? It says that they are without what excuse. So you bringing the gospel to them is a privilege. Do you understand? But men are what without excuse. You cannot say you did not know. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So you see the, that rebellion in Adam. Because when the serpent comes and, and offers that to Adam, he already wants it. That's why I think I've explained this to you guys before, that he was quiet. Eve is the one who did the talking. Eve needed to be convinced, to be persuaded. After she was persuaded about it and she offers it to him, he just feels like a mumu and he takes it. But he wanted it in the first place. This is what his desire to declare independence of God, not to go God's way. God offers you something. You are thinking, no, I don't want this. I don't want someone to detain. I imagine this is the first man and he's already thinking like this because man already has that thing inside him that says, because you can make a choice. Do you understand? Uh -huh. You can actually make a choice. You say you can actually decide to go your own way, to determine your own path. So I don't want this. And that's what he does. He rejects the gospel. Then we now see the next thing that happens is that we now see his son Cain comes and rejects the gospel. So that is the rebellion of the world. The world is naturally rebellious. The world has wants nothing to do with God. So that's why we go, when we go to preach the gospel, you understand? That's why our lifestyle as believers, do you get our devotion to God? The Bible says that anyone who will live godly will face what? Persecution. Our godliness, our devotion to God is signifying the choice we have made. It is letting them know because they know there's, you know, if, if what you have done is not bad, if what you have done is right, there will be no need to persecute people who are doing the right thing. If, if really man has the right to determine his own life, then when a person who is doing right, who is following God, it shouldn't prick you. You should live your own life. You shouldn't care what they're doing. You understand? Because you see, it even, it even runs things like abortion. People are committing abortion. When, see, the day you get to a point whereby you, you just by yourself, you decide to terminate a child, a child in the womb. I'm telling you, when all of you get into all those pregnancies, you will realize the the joy of knowing a child in the womb. Like it's, and you look at that and you can say, I don't want this and you terminate it. That is rebellion. You've gotten rebellious. You have decided, <laughs> you know, you have decided. You've decided, I don't want. It's the truth. I've, I don't want, you've just decided. And, 
I mean, it just tells you this is why our world is like this. The world will hate you. Jesus said the world hates you because they hate me. They hate what you stand for. They hate because they have made a choice to be rebellious. And every time they see you, they see the wrong choice they've made. Do you get? There's something that talks at them. There's something. The enemy, let me say this. What Satan and Adam wanted was the same thing. You know, we've explained before that the sin of, of the devil was in Adam. It was when he, when that time, that was when he rebelled against God. When Satan, you know, Bible says that in um, Colossians or so that, that Adam was not deceived, but Eve being deceived was in transgression also. So Adam was not deceived. Adam knew exactly what he was doing. Eve was the one who was deceived. So when the serpent came and spoke, because both Adam heard what God said, Adam related to Eve. Eve knew what God said. When the serpent came and began to say all those things, now notice that I said it's only the woman that was replying. Where was Adam? Adam was aware of what was going on. He was, you could, can't say he wasn't aware. He was aware. He knew what was offered. But because the Bible says he was not deceived. Why was he not deceived? He, he, he knew what God had said. He couldn't have been deceived. If he was not deceived, that means he entered willingly into the transgression. So Eve was even the victim in the whole case because by Adam's, um, let me use the word, Adam's quietness or Adam not saying anything or Adam not telling her because Adam was, was still ahead. And Adam not saying anything, Adam who knew the truth, refusing to say anything, the serpent is giving her information. She has heard, this is what God says, the serpent is giving her contrary information. Adam is there who knows the truth and says nothing. You allow your wife to get deceived. She turns to you and tells you the same thing. It now looks like it is something from her and the serpent, not something that was original in your heart. What the serpent said and what he wanted were in agreement. And that's why he said nothing. Yes, I want independence from God. I don't want to have to answer to God. I don't want to, be, to have to answer to God. And yes, and so it's not really the woman that was the, you know, in, the, in the issue. No, Adam was the major issue. Through one man, sin entered the world. One man, man, Adam, sin entered the world. Yes, Adam was responsible for the fall of man. He was the one and everything. <laughs> but before you blame Adam, you have to realize that, as I said before, it was born out of the fact that he, because with choice comes that, you know, ability to determine your path. Either I will actually decide or follow what God has said, or I will not follow what God has said. And that's just the battle today. It is still the battle today. So you can, when the Bible talks about loving the world, you know, the world and everything, love not the world and all that, you know, whatever it is, you just realize that this is the heart of it. This is the heart of it. You know, uh, John 5, 15, verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world will hate you. Are you seeing that? Ha. Huh. The world will hate you. First John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Obviously. For all that is in the world is what the lust of the flesh, that's the desires of the body, the desire of the eyes, and the pride of life. You understand? There's a kind of pride and confidence, you understand? A false kind of confidence and security in the things of the world. He says, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passes away and the desires thereof, but he that does will of the Father abides forever. You see that? So with this, you should be able to now realize that your, your decisions are not going to be born out of um, your decisions to... Um, 
why okay because men will still have to make their choice right okay if adam did it we still well the thing is adam was let me say this adam was the progenitor of the human race he was the you know foundation let me put it like that and so um well i believe that every man will still have to receive like the life that was offered to adam i believe every man that came afterwards will still have to receive that offer you understand but i believe that because he was a progenitor and he rejected it then everything i mean that just went to you know to let me use the word shite real fast and everyone that comes after him will actually also you know have the same um whatever but people that will come after him will still have to accept and that's why you see even after christ has died right whatever whatever happened in adam is not automatically reversed man still has to make a choice do you get because even after man fell it was not the automatic doom of the human race Cain comes, Cain and Abel come, they still have an opportunity to receive the same life. Do you understand? By believing the gospel, of course, we know it is not a post-dated kind of something, but they have the choice. And then we see what happens. So you now realize that what Cain did is not, was not going to be something that is unique or what Ab- sorry, Adam did is not going to be unique to only Adam. It is something that is going to realize that he's exposing Cain, is exposing other people. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's not an automatic thing that because of Adam, the whole human race, you understand? Now, maybe they could have all had, but I believe that everybody will still have had to make his or her choice. You understand? Because man, if all men have a will, one man's will cannot just determine it for all men. I believe Adam would have received life if other people came, maybe they would have also had the choice to receive life also. It wouldn't have just been... Because in the end, it's life that was offered. And our life, we know, is in the life is in Christ. Christ probably wouldn't have had to come. Maybe. You understand? Who knows? I don't know all these things. But in the end, we see that Christ's coming is necessary because the whole of mankind has fallen into that. Because I guess the way it is that when man rejects it, man rejects life. And this, the nature of sin takes over. And it's just something that now passes on all men. Death passes on all men. You get what I'm saying? Aha. So that basically is, is that idea. Love not the world. So that informs, so you now realize, if you understand now that that is why the world behaves the way it does, is why they sing the kind of songs that they sing, is why they do the things they do, they say what they say, they use language they do. You now realize that my deciding not to wear certain things or look at a certain way, like for example, now we know there's a way God sees the, sees the body. The body is a temple. And then we see that people who reject God, they begin, they, they treat their bodies anyhow. So when you see a person who dresses anyhow, who dresses nude, whether they wear bikinis or all those things, you're looking at people that are in defiance and rebellion. I'm, I'm, I'm really serious. It's just rebellion. It's just saying that I, I know that this is God's stance on this guy, but no, I, I decide to go my own way. I decide to do my own thing. You know, it doesn't have anything to do with all the rubbish that they say on media, which is, um, what's that thing that they say about the body, the female body, you are trying to, uh, yeah, empowering, um, all those empowering nonsense. No, the, the root of it is the philosophy, the, the, the governing, this thing that there is a God, but they want to suppress that truth, you know, righteousness. They don't want it to be true. So, because I want to go my way, I want to determine my own path. So it makes it easy for you as a believer. It's not about, uh, should you wear this? Should you wear that? Should I post this? Should I not post that? Did you get, you should leave that place. Leave that place of all those things. It just tells you why there's some things you just don't do. You get, you don't realize my attitude, your attitude to things like money, possessions, and all those things, right? Has to, is, is, is born out of the philosophy that God is, my, is where I get my sense of fulfillment. Since the creator made creation, 
this the creation should be connected to the creator but you see what the those people did they substituted the creator instead of serving the creator they begin to serve things they begin to worship things they begin to go for things so you see people fame and all those things what are they doing they are just worshiping the god they made for themselves they are worshiping those things rather than the creator you understand because they feel in that they have a choice to go after their own lust, their own desires, their own, the criminal, John says, the loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, the pride of life. They just want to go after those things and fulfill their appetites, fulfill their desires. You get, because in the place of man deciding, I don't want God, is because there are probably desires that man wants to express, that he feels God will be a hindrance to expressing, you know, these kinds of desires or all these kind of things. So uh, why would I have this and I cannot express them? Why, why can't I go this way? Why can't I explore my sexuality? This way? Why can't I do all these things? But we know that God's instructions are wisdom. It takes the manufacturer to know what the product was manufactured for, the capabilities of the product, the limits of the product. It is, it just, that's just what it is. But when man goes to the zone, we now see what Paul lists as the destruction of man. Man utterly destroys himself. Man utterly destroys himself. So that is why you now see in 2 Corinthians 5, he now says that he died for us, um, that hence for they who was and live should no longer live for themselves. Because by Christ's coming, he comes and dies. And by death, he sets us free from that service to, to, to things from that worship of creation rather than the creator. He's, because we become slaves, we don't know. We're slaves to those things. It is how we get our worth, you know, our significance, our importance. So God, by his death, sets us free from things, sets us free from materialism, sets us free from worshiping ourselves, worshiping things, worshiping idols, you understand, and brings us back to the creator. So when we say not living for ourselves, we're not. it is not a restriction kind of or a limit or like, ah, God is trying to, I should not wear this. I should not wear that. I want to go to party. He said, no, no. It is actually you are in bondage to those things. And you are set free from those things. That is what the gospel does. It sets men free from themselves. It does. You can literally trace every single of man's depravity today to this one thing. Rebellion. And that's why you say a Christian is always born again, has received what Adam rejected and still behaves that way, he is just, it's like a contradiction. It's just, they don't fit. They don't fit at all. You understand? How you've been set free from things, you are still going back to serve things. You understand? When you see a person who is craving, who is loving the world so much, you have a lot of people, those people that, you know, you see them, they come to God and then they feel they're missing something in the world. They are missing something, right? That's a love not the world. That says nothing in this world people are loving. There's nothing. In fact, the world is supposed to hate you <laughs> because you remind them of their choice. You remind them of their hatred for God. And I mean hatred for God because they know what God stands for. If I will, if, if I will embrace God, I must be accountable to him. They know that. Man knows in his heart. If I will embrace God, I must be accountable. Man does not want that. Man doesn't want that. So we see that Cain gets so mad, he kills Abel for this. <laughs> So obviously, it means that Abel, because it's called righteous Abel, there was something that happened to Abel when Abel received that um, knowledge. He received that knowledge of God's goodness, God's salvation. You understand? When he receives that knowledge, he, it, it, he begins to live from that knowledge. He begins to preach. He begins to speak. He begins to... Righteousness becomes his mantra. And this guy just cannot stand it. No, Naji. <laughs> 
because he's constantly reminded. Just imagine the only, the only two guys on the earth aside from their parents, and just be, keep on being reminded about about this rejection. So we see uh, that in in the end, God is actually just, as I said. God is just, and people who will go to hell, as I said, they will. They are going there, like there's nothing like an innocent person in hell. They are in, they are in hell because they should be there. After you've rejected, Bible says that if anyone who rejects that this thing, said there is no longer any other sacrifice for sin, right? Uh-huh. Bible says that he who does not believe is what condemned already because he did not believe. You understand? So the message of the gospel is given as like, look you know that there is a god it's not it's not the question of whether is there a god or not no, no. you know there's a god i'm now presented or presenting that god to you you know paul makes the same argument where he tells them he said that this same god him i what declare to you paul would not be able to make that argument if they did not already know there was a god i think that should be acts chapter 17 then Paul stood in the midst of mars hill and said you men of Athens, i perceive in all things that you are superstitious Two superstitions, in fact. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. So these guys, these are not people that, the concept of God is not foreign to these guys. If anything is that, we don't know which one. But the concept of God is not foreign to these guys. You get, and these ones, in fact, they've taken it to another level where they now say there are many gods. But he saying, no, there's one God. And you know in your heart there's one God. That God is what I declare to you. He now begins to talk to him. For God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands. He just appeals. This is, he's not saying something that is supposed to be too shocking. No, he's saying something that should be common because the Bible says it is clear to them. The idea of one God is clear, right? Aha. God, he says, he made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands. So in other words, remember we said that this people began to make it, it his answering what he said in um, Romans 1, or his, his, his further expanding on that, where he says that they began in their vanity, they began to make created things, create things, you understand? So he's saying, look, that, he's, that that God has made the heaven and earth, and so he cannot live in a temple that you make. He can't make live in something like that. Neither is he worship with men's hands, as though he needs anything. Seeing he gives life to all and bread, he's appealing to this. Now, this is this is not the gospel to a Jew. This is a gospel to a gent to Gentiles. This is a gospel to people naturally. You can actually talk to people like this. It's just like there's a God that made the world. Look at everything around you. He doesn't. He cannot dwell in a temple with hands. You get. It's not all these things that you made that can be God. It doesn't make sense. Why? Because he's the one that gives life and bread to all things. So you cannot. He cannot be that thing that you created. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hey. It can't be what you created that now sustains you. No, it's what created you that sustains you, not what you create that sustains you. And that's the problem. People are trying to use what they create to sustain them. No, or what is created. No, no, it should be what created you that made everything else that sustains you. Are you seeing that? He says, verse 26, and has made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitations, that they should seek the Lord. Are you seeing that? So he has determined that they should seek the Lord. Are you seeing that? If happily they might feel after him or go after him and find him. So it is in man's design, in man's heart to seek the Lord. Man is designed to seek the Lord. In man's heart is that desire that there is a God. A man is designed to seek the Lord. So anyone who says there is no God is ignoring, suppressing that truth that every man has it in him or her to seek the Lord. Are you seeing that? Aha. Uh-huh. 
It says, and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Are you seeing that? Aha. Uh -huh. So he now begins to talk about one of their, their poets who was popular in that time. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. So you see that that statement is not, is not Paul or is not scripture. That one is a poet he quoted because he's talking to Gentiles. So he uses something that they are used to, right? Something because it says, the Bible says the things that are created, you know, will give you wit. Let me, I'm paraphrasing, gives the, that kind of witness. So he's used something that one of their poets has already said to appeal to them logically. It says, for we are his offspring. He said, so he now says, for then, if, for then, as much as we are the offspring of God, we should not think of the God hand or what that the God has like unto gold or silver or stone. Now, I'm actually showing you one way you can present the gospel. This is actually the way you present the gospel to a Gentile. A Gentile, someone who is not a Jew. Because the, the way they present the gospel to the Jews is different from how I present to the Gentiles. For the Jews, you present the gospel, you use the, the scriptures to show them that this is what the prophet said. Because they already respect the prophets. So you can say, this is what the prophet said, this is for you. That's how you preach to the Jews. That's what you see that they're always referring to the scriptures for Jews. But when it comes to Gentiles, like that, you don't use, it's not exactly the scriptures you use to appeal to them like that. You can use it, but they would have to believe in that Jew, Jewish system do you get to make it easier? But yeah, it just appeals to them. Look, for as much as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold and silver. In other words, if we are supposed to be God's offspring, not, now notice that these people are children of the devil. They are not God's offspring. <laughs> you get, they are not God's offspring, but he's, he's, um, he's appealing to them and saying, no, if you, okay, if you, let's even use your logic that we are God's offspring, like your poet says. Uh -huh. So how can you now say that that same God is in stone or silver or wood? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> you see that? And the times of his, this ignorance, God has winked at it. So he calls all their idolatry times of what? Ignorance. He says, but now God commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained, whereas he has given assurance unto all men in that he has raised him from the dead. So you are seeing that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is supposed to be in direct harmony with what men already know. Are you seeing that? Men already know that there is an eternity. They already know it's in their hearts. There's already this there to seek God and everything. So what did God do in the resurrection of Christ? He gives witness. That is the only time that has ever happened. He uses that to give witness to the fact or a, a strong signal indicator to the fact that this witness in your heart, right? I'm the one that gave you that witness and this is my manifestation. This is my son. This is, this is how I get you saved. This is, you've been, you've been trying to seek me. This is the solution. This is how you seek me. So Christ says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. You understand? I am that way. But he has already put the desire to seek that way in the heart of man. So when you're going to preach the gospel to a person, you are only appealing to what God has already put in their hearts. Are you seeing that? So what we call conviction, conviction just really is, let me use the word, an enhancement of what is already in them. Then in other words, the Holy Ghost only has to appeal to that thing on their inside that already knows that there's a God. So there's a strong conviction. He just brings that thing alive that says, this is the way. This is the truth. This is it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Believe your believable of God's word and believe in life. You know what you mean? It is to take God's word and prophecy. Go and this is Young Ecclesia Nation. 
Let your heart be flooded with light as you listen to the Word of God in ministration by Pastor Adulu Essien. God bless you. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hi, everybody. How are you doing? Hallelujah. Before we even get into any other thing, let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. We just give you glory, honor, and praise. We just love you. We just love you with our whole hearts. We adore you. You're just amazing, amazing, amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, hi again. How you all doing? Today we're going to be going on a certain um, tangent that I've been saving for this period. I um, Let's just see how it goes. I was going to look more at, uh, let's say, Bible interpretation or something like that. But then I think I'll save that for a course. Um, there's a course coming real soon on how to interpret your Bible. And that'll be awesome. Glory to God. Aha. It's going to be awesome. Very, very strategic. So that the Christian that you are can be, how will I put it, can be real. Amen. Uh, today's meeting uh, is going to be touching on some things. I hope I have enough time to finish. I really, really hope I have enough time to finish. Because um, I may or may not finish this. But then this should answer certain questions in the hearts of people concerning the character and nature of god or you know the 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 christian work especially when it comes to ladies or women um if you're a lady young lady here you should pay a lot of attention if you're a male here you should also pay a lot of attention because um what i want to share is popularly known as what we call the woman question the woman question Uh, there's always the question of uh ladies (laughs) <laughs> someone said thank god <laughs> okay i'll say that i'd love this to be as interactive as possible if people have questions you can ask and all those things and within the context of time i'm trying to run it i will definitely see how i can answer all your questions but then it's called the woman question and i think this is something that has plagued the minds of uh, many people who serve the lord jesus in fact it has plagued the minds of two categories of people one the minds of those who are thinking of joining the christian faith and the minds of those who are already in the christian faith and that's about the place of women in the heart of god the place of ladies in the heart of god it's a very very big question and (laughs) for those of us or who are in the faith i mean it's very good that these questions are answered and we can actually let me use the word vindicate god and and or the image that has been painted the unjust image that has been painted concerning him but then i was telling someone i was discussing this with one of my spiritual daughters and i said to her i said that for the unbeliever right even if let us even say that god said that (laughs) women were supposed to be one kind of way that means subservient second rate second class and all those things you know as a person who is not born again it will still be very very foolish to say uh is that who god is no i'm not doing because of this god is misogynist and you just say i'm not doing i mean that was to be very very foolish because in the end we are finding out that god's goodness you know 
God's goodness and his wisdom go hand in hand. Amen? So if that was the case, then even if it was men, that they say men are second rate, men are whatever, whatever, in the end, if it was God, right? I think it's, it will still be foolish to say you're not going to serve God. Do you understand? Uh-huh. You know, Jesus said something. He said, don't fear the one who can destroy the body and can do nothing to the spirit. He said, fear the one <laughs> that can destroy the body and send, <laughs> send the soul or spirit to hell. He said, fear that one. And that's the God that we serve. So, today's answers are, are as much as they're supposed to be an encouraging reason for people to become more anchored in their faith in God or, or come more to the Christian faith. We have to realize that the principle of, of the Christian faith is salvation, faith in Christ. Salvation by faith in Christ alone. That is why you come. Do you understand? That is why you come first. It is just a bonus, I think, that we come in after we've come in by salvation by faith in Christ, that we now come and find out. In fact, I want to say you find out the fact that God is good and all those things. But the truth is that just by his death alone for us, his death for both men and women, he didn't say I'm dying for just the men and the women, they have to do extra or something like that. Just the fact that he died for us speaks volumes of his nature already. It speaks volumes. It speaks so much of his character. So, by all means, let this be something that, you know, brings you in, anchors you in your faith, and makes you more ready to serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let it make you more ready to serve the Lord Jesus. As a woman, um, as a man, or as a guy, or whatever, this also should should increase or increase your reverence for, for ladies, and um, also reduce your bigotry, in case you are... <laughs> One of them people who is a bigot. <laughs> so, I think I should just uh, start. Just start. I was searching lots of texts of scripture. Oh, by the way, um, one thing that God put in my heart, he said in this meeting, I don't know, but I feel there's someone in this meeting that you've come into this meeting and you're questioning um, your identity as a woman. You're questioning your identity as a female. You're questioning um, your sexuality. Um and uh, I, I, I think there's been, in your own case, there's been like a lot of mistreatment. You know, like being a female has been very disadvantageous in your life. And so there's been so much negativity associated with being a female. And then you've gone through a phase whereby you're just relinquishing that identity and trying to embrace the male identity. But then God says right now that he's setting you free from those, those struggles because he said, I made you to be female. I made you for a reason. I made you, right? Bible says male and female created he them. You are man, you are you are you are God's own and God made you the way he, you know you are and God thinks you are perfect that way. And he made you for his glory. And he wants you to stay that way and be proud of it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. Father, I just also thank you for everybody tuned into this meeting and those who will hear it afterwards. Father, we just thank you that they will um, embrace who you've made them to be. They will grow in you. They will find their identity in you. They will become more rooted and anchored in you in this, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Zebranakas. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Galatians chapter 3, verse... (laughs) From verse 26 it says for you are all the children of god by faith in christ jesus notice it says what you are all the children of god 
right um by faith in christ jesus we are all god's children if you believe in the lord jesus christ you are what all god's children by what faith in christ jesus when you believe in what christ has done it says you are what all god's children verse 27 for as many of you has as have been baptized into christ have put on christ now the word baptized there is the word baptizo in the greek it's not talking about baptizing water it means immersed right immersed for as many as you have been immersed into christ have what put on christ <laughs> glory to god he now says now he now explains that in that christ that you have put on he says there is neither what jew or greek there is neither bond nor free there is neither male nor female nor you are all one for you are all one in christ jesus are you seeing that so in christ there is only one identity amen uh, in christ all the ways you can be identified in this world are stripped away whether it's a male or female right whether it's a uh, jew greek you know asian african american and all those things right whether it is a slave or a free person all those things that forms of identification are stripped away it says for you are all one in christ jesus amen now you see this is so powerful if people understood this you will realize that in christ there is no race in christ there is no there's nothing else amen in christ there is no gender i mean that's this alone honestly this verse alone we can actually just pick this verse of scripture and just say look that's it i understand i'm going home and we'll be fine <laughs> but i don't have any text in the other places that are bugging people's minds but let's really reflect on this you are all one in christ there is no jew nor greek now you need to understand why he would say this at that time there is no jew nor greek because there was a very, very large divide, you know, in those days between the Jews and the Greeks. The Jews disdained, Greek there would also be Gentiles. Let's just say Gentiles. You know, Gentiles, are those are not people who are not Jews. Now, the Jews so despised Gentiles that in their Jewish um, traditions, they would actually say that they would actually see being a Gentile as a cursed thing. It was so bad that even the Samaritans, Samaritans were like a mixed breed between Jews and other nations, right? The offspring of, you know, Jews who married from other nations and had children. And they so despised those people that when Jesus was at the well, the woman at the well looked at him and said, are you a Jew talking to me, a Samaritan woman, right? Because it was that bad. We should not even be seen with them. In fact, in those days, if you went, <laughs> if a Jew saw, came in contact with a, a Gentile, a non-Jew, he would actually go back home and have his bath because they were seen as unclean. You know what I'm saying? Unclean. That's how they were seen. That's how they were perceived. Now, uh, we're going to see that this is not was not was not God's idea. These were ideas or, you know, based on their own, how would I put it, their own misogynistic, fallen, Adamic nature, they concocted all these ideas and enforced them. So, but that was how they, they put these distinctions. Even when it came to men and women, there was large distinctions, you know, in those cultures. And then we now see that in all these things, right? It says that you are all one in Christ Jesus. These things are stripped away. So we are all one in Christ Jesus. One, one. There's no, there's nothing else. This is powerful. This is, there is no, like, there are two major, there are two hot button debates in, in our world today. One of them is, is race. You understand? Race. Uh, or ethnicity or nationality or whatever and the other one is gender these are two hot button topics today 
you understand um because of the idea of superiority of one over the other and but we see in christ jesus these two all these just melt into one pot just melt and they're just one identity so it means that in 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 when we've put on christ when we are born again if i look at my brother or sister i look at my fellow whoever you are man woman boy girl tall short rich poor everything there's no identity you get none of those things matter anymore you get that's why you can see it in, in it's only in the church of god you can actually find every ethnicity every kind of person represented you understand in the church because there is no identity outside christ glory to jesus glory to jesus this is just powerful if you understand this this is just powerful if you understand this there is none outside of christ there's none outside of christ so <laughs> but then it's important that we actually go back and peel the layers because we have to there are many texts of scriptures that we have to visit and ask ourselves the question you know what is god's heart for the woman what is the the place of the woman amen aha uh-huh. what is the place of the woman you know she's second rate and second fiddle to um a man what is her place and um how does god see her hallelujah so we're just going to go now to genesis genesis 1 verse 26 it says then god said let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion now notice this he said let us make what man when you say man you may think that this is man male right but no it says let us make man according to our image and likeness and let them what have dominion notice it says let them have dominion them you understand them and so we understand we now understand why he said them because when seven says so god created man in his own image in the image of god he created him right you now say hmm say okay that's a man no it says male and female he created them are you seeing that male and what female he created them so you're seeing that the word man there is the word mankind are you seeing that it's more of mankind or humanity so god made man in his image right aha male and female he created he them male and female created he them so you see that there is an equality right from the beginning there's no god made man and then woman you know let's make an plan for you because some people will use genesis 2 to say that uh man the woman came after no 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 look at this it says god created man in his own image right he created him male and female created he them now then god blessed them so what did god do god what blessed them right you can see that he blessed them equally bless the male bless the female right male and female he made male and female and he blessed them male and female and he blessed them hallelujah so you see from the beginning right from the get-go they are on equal footing there is no how i put it there is no superiority or inferiority no there's none it says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue and have dominion and all that. Right? But it says, male and female created he them. Are you seeing that? Now, look at Genesis chapter 2. Okay. Genesis chapter 2. Um, Bible tells us that God made the man first. Okay. Then, the next thing we see is verse 18. It's not good for a man to be alone. Alright. And then, we now see verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh 
in his place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made it into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, for she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Now, this is one thing people don't understand. Because we just see it as okay, um, she was taken out of his side, and so that just means okay, he is first and she's second. But no, look at what he says. He says he looks at her and he says, This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Okay? Now, 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be what? Joined to his what? Wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So, notice something here. Right? Uh Notice something here. You notice that he says, for everything he's talking about, the fact that she was taken from his side and called bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, she shall be called what? Woman, taken out of man. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. What's he saying? He's saying here that his God is talking about marriage. So the whole idea, whether because you need to also understand that Genesis is a very, very figurative text. What what is Genesis about? Genesis, second Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 says, From childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation, which is by faith in Christ Jesus. In other words, the holy scripture, which is actually talking about Genesis to Malachi, will make you what? Wise unto salvation. The word wise is the word Sophia in the Greek. The word Sophia means it will make you skilled or it will, um, how I put it, the more you study Genesis, the more you will actually become more acquainted, more understanding, you understand, of salvation, which is by faith in Christ Jesus. In other words, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Mother, um, sorry, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and all those things, you will find the elements of salvation. If you study them properly, right, you will arrive at the conclusion of Christ's finished work or what Jesus came to do. So, it says, a man shall leave father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Are you seeing that? So, notice that the context of the man, of the woman being taken out of the man, right? And then what? And being formed, right? And then is what? Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called what? Woman. So, God is talking about the union. And you're going to see, we're going to see from another text that that separation, you understand, is about order. It's actually about order. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived. For the woman being deceived was in transgression, notwithstanding she, she shall be saved in childbearing with the continuing faith. So, notice that he's talking about reproduction, talking about the context, it's still the context of marriage. Okay, let's look at another text. That should be Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Now, Ephesians chapter 5, verse. Um, 31, you're going to see that their quoting is exactly that same for this cause. They are quoting what we just read in Genesis. This is Paul quoting it. So Ephesians 5, verse 30 says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and they shall, the two shall become one flesh. Right? So he now says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So <laughs> there's even a deeper understanding of that text, which is that in comparison, God was using Genesis right in that place to talk about the church how do i know this to understand what i'm saying about genesis or the old testament remember but genesis chapter one um tells us um in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and the spirit of god moved over the face of the waters and god said let there be light and there was light right that's what the bible says let there be light and there was light now the light there could not have been what they call it that light could not have been physical light why because we see verses down if you read down you're going to see that real physical light the sun moon and stars were created so what was the light <laughs> amen uh-huh. so that light is we find out that that light second Corinthians chapter four i think 
verse um six. Okay, even John chapter one verse five it says, or okay, John chapter one tells us, um, in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was God. The same was in the beginning. That beginning we were Genesis. All things were made by him and for him, and nothing was made for him that was not made. You know, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and that light shines in what's darkness, and the darkness does not understand it. So you see the same terms, light and darkness, you know, being used by John to actually explain Genesis. Okay, but let's look, let's go down to verse second uh, Corinthians Corinthians chapter four, right? So Corinthians chapter four, verse six. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has what? shined in our hearts now remember the bible says that there was darkness darkness covered the face of the deep right and now says god said let there be light so here he has it's telling us that god commanded light to what shine out of darkness he says he has what shined in our hearts so <laughs> look at this so that means there is a comparison that the darkness there was our hearts right the light there he has commanded light to what shine out of that darkness right to give what the light of the knowledge of jesus i see that or the light of knowledge of the glory of god in the face of jesus christ so what is that light that light is the gospel (laughs) i'm sure there's a bunch of people that are confused but it's okay confusion is very very okay means you makes you ask questions and everything and we have a lot of teachings on this uh we're teaching more amen (laughs) okay so um and verse 4 second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 actually tells us the same thing in whom the god of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of what the glorious gospel of christ i see that light is called what the gospel right you know which is the image of god should shine upon them so the darkness is what is the state of man's heart without god and what the light is what the gospel you understand so that means moses opens genesis talking about what the gospel (laughs) isn't that interesting Yes, are you seeing that? Aha. So it means that even the earth, all that stuff, the earth, the darkness, all of it is talking about talking about the heart of man. The earth is the heart of man. You understand, and all those things. So it just this will destroy your understanding, your your Sunday school understanding of Genesis and the Bible. But it's good to do, actually destroy it so that we can actually build up the proper case of what it is, right? Genesis is not a historical book. Is not is not a historical book. We've been taught that, but then time comes to learn certain things. Genesis is not a historical book. As much as you can learn a few things about history from it, but it was not written specifically for history. And that's why there's some things that look like if scientists are still arguing, did this what happened? You don't see mention of dinosaurs in Genesis. Why? Because it's not necessary. I wish there's no dinosaurs. Go and dig the earth. You see dinosaurs in there. You understand? Um, <laughs> there are many things. The account from Genesis to now says that if you calculate it properly scholars will say six thousand years in fact the jewish calendar it says six thousand something or five thousand something you get but scientists by their digging of the earth have found out that this earth is millions of years old do you understand so the the bible is not written and this is where this should help somebody out there who will be saying the bible is not accurate no the bible is not written for to tell you the world's history no you have scientists that can do that it is actually to give you one history right the history of the revelation or the plan of god to reveal christ to us in salvation simple sephini it is finished that is what it is for you get so reading the bible for other purposes right may not give you what you need it may give you (laughs) 
some other misconstrued ideas and it's from there we get ideas like eh, who was Cain's wife all those things. it was not written for that bros it wasn't written for that so you will not find the perfect chronology in fact the chronology you will find that is actually perfect is the chronology that deals with art from adam down into the jewish nation into christ that's what you find that's actually very very good glory to jesus <laughs> hallelujah is somebody following me you get so <laughs> okay so you now see we can now go back to um what we're looking at which is um what um leave that's efficient right that it says you shall leave father and um mother right uh if just the five verse 31 for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh this is a great ministry but i speak concerning christ and the church so you are seeing that the context of discussing that genesis 2 which is that a man shall leave father and mother and cleave to his wife right the idea of in fact <laughs> the because the idea is that the woman was taken from man he formed you know and all that it says in the end what is that for is that they will come together again right uh-huh. the two shall become one flesh <laughs> verse 3 nevertheless let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband so he's actually talking about the union in christ now notice right from the get-go god is actually making a very strong case of even of of union of the man and woman or the sameness okay we see in genesis 1 verse 26 27 28 that the man and woman are the same like male and female created he them equal you now come to genesis chapter 2 and you're seeing what you're seeing the man and the woman right and you're seeing they're talking about marriage genesis 2 is about marriage and you're seeing even in genesis 2 the man shall leave father and mother and cleave to her and two shall become what one flesh are you seeing that so even when you see where jesus god was saying i'll make a help me suitable for him when you breathe down you now realize what does help me mean man he says the two shall become what one flesh that is help me so you can see there again there's an established what equality however it does not mean in the in the sense of order right you will see where the bible says that adam was before eve right uh-huh. adam was before eve in other words she came out of eve but then he now makes a point the case again that look that even men come, still come out of women so they are still the same but in the context of marriage right what are we looking at we're looking at the case of order so when the bible says for example that the husband is the head of the wife okay Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 to 23 says wives submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the lord for the husband is the head of the wife now when we say head in our head we like to bring in this african idea of head the idea of head in, in africa is you know by god you submit woman you get is this idea that there's i'm superior to you i dominate you i tell you what to do you obey my orders you know or else there'll be trouble in this house uh-huh but then that's not what this text means at all in fact it says look at this wives because Ephesians 5.21 tells us submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. In other words, why would there be submission at all? In the what? Fear of the Lord. The Lord is the reason I submit. You understand? So, verse 22, wives submit yourself unto your husband as unto the Lord. In other words, you already submit to the Lord, extend that submission or see part of your submission to the Lord as submission to your husband. Right? Aha. Now, verse 23, for the husband is what? The head of the wife. Notice the husband is the head of the wife, not the man, the head of the woman male and female created he what them and he blessed them 
so they are equal there is no you know there is no subordination between men and women they are equal in every right when in marriage he says husband is the head of the wife what does that mean he says even as christ is the head of the church again he now tells us that his intention for man are you seeing something that god's intention for man is only found in christ when it comes to this that god's proper intention for man can only be properly discovered in christ <laughs> are you seeing that that is why the truth about that, that christian values are still the num- the best values in any country any country that is built on christian values thrives and prospers for example america was founded on christian values you understand and that's why it thrives and prospers because it just makes the most sense it's how god designed things to be right uh-huh for the husband is what the head of the wife and that's why i'll say this if you're a feminist out there the best religion in quotes that you can be or whatever is christian because just in christianity it, it already the equation is already balanced do you understand equality is already there <laughs> amen so sometimes it's very funny how you want to go outside to go and look for your own equality when in Christ there is already an established you know, equilibrium or equality. Glory to Jesus. So, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is what? The head of the church. So, and he is the savior of the body. So, how is Christ the head of the church? He is what? The savior of the body. Savior means he puts down his life, right? Because you're going to see where he says that, what is his Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church, right? And gave himself you know, for, I think it's down somewhere. Yeah. Okay, that's verse 25. Husbands, love your wife, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So, you are seeing something. He says what? That the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. How is he head of the church? He is the savior of the body. What did he do? He says, husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. How did he do it? He gave himself. That means he saved the church. Now, you seen that? So, the husband is what? The savior of the wife. How? He gives his life. He loves his wife. Are you seeing that? So, what is the headship of the husband? It is that he loves his wife. <laughs> Are you seeing that? His headship is his love, his protection. You understand? His honor for the wife. Amen? Glory to Jesus. His honor, his protection. That is where you find his headship. His headship is not found in how much he can slap that woman and turn out to a punching bag. His headship is found in how much he can love his wife. That is why a love comes in love is responsibility. Do you understand? God makes the man head in the sense that he gives the responsibility for the man to love his wife, to love her, to take care of her. Are you seeing that? So that is where his, his headship, that is where his, his leadership comes from. That's where he can actually direct and give instructions. But everything must be passed through the filter of love. And so you see what God is telling a woman to submit to. He's telling her to submit to the love of a man. Amen? But not just any man's love. He says, husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Are you seeing that? Right? The Bible actually tells us clearly that we should love one another as Christ has loved us. He didn't say love on, you know, your neighbor. There's the power of love your neighbor as yourself. But when Christ came, he says, no, come and love. He set the example. He raised the bar. He says, love one another as I have loved you. Are you seeing that? I have loved you this way by what? By my death. <laughs> greater love has no man than this and will lay down his life for his friends so he now says that you want to marry are you seeing that as a man he says what love your wife love your wife that is where your headship is that's where your authority lies by your love are you seeing that so what is the work of a husband love are you seeing that what does a woman submit to love husbands love your wife the husband is what the head of the wife are you seeing that so where we are discussing headship right in any context is marriage is in, in the bible 
the only way a man is is head over a woman is in marriage. Number one. So brother is not the head of sister. Are you seeing that? Uh, <laughs> no, no man as a woman, no man can walk up to you and say, "I'm your head." Submit to me. That's rubbish. Amen. No. And even in marriage, what are we seeing there? That the man is to exhibit Christ's love. What is Christ's love? Sacrificial love. That love that can die, can lay down his life. Right? Aha. He lays down his life for her. And that is what she submits to. She submits to sacrifice. Amen? Yes. That's the truth. So submission is something that's just normal. If a woman understands this, you just marry. It won't be a struggle of who to marry. You just realize the logical thing is to marry a man that is firmly anchored in Christ, who knows who he is in Christ. Because the more he looks at who he is in Christ, the more he just loves naturally. Are you seeing that? And for you also, it won't be hard to submit because you already submit to Christ. You already submit to his love. It won't be hard. You just realize that I'm submitting to love. Why do we submit to Christ? Because he loved us. The Bible says we love him because he what? First loved us. That is why. So, it just flows. Glory to God. It just flows. <laughs> it just flows. Praise the Lord Jesus. It just flows. So you are seeing already from the get-go, from Genesis alone, that God is not, there is no, no shackle in Genesis. <laughs> there is no shackle in Genesis. In fact, I can show you that in Genesis, you know, you realize that the difference between male, male and females, right? Why is she called woman, you know? She's just woman. If you look at it, what the real distinction in Genesis between a man and woman is her ability to produce or reproduce. Are you seeing that? That's just the major distinction. If you see the build of a woman, her, the major distinction is her ability to reproduce. That is just the difference you get. Because God designed that, let them, I said, and he blessed them, said, be fruitful, multiply, right? And have dominion over the earth. How are they going to be fruitful and multiply? They will what? Come together as man and wife. Are you seeing that? Which is why in marriage, one of the major purposes of marriage is reproduction, to reproduce. Glory to God. Yes, because you see that can only happen in the context of marriage according to God. So one major purpose of marriage is what? To have children, to bear children, to reproduce. Hallelujah. The thing we're trying to answer is, can women do ministry? Can our ladies, do they have the same standing in Christ? And can they do ministry? That is what we're trying to answer. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So we can see clearly, you know, Genesis tells us, very 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 clearly you understand aha uh-huh. that when he says in two that says the man shall, shall live for her mother so when she says bone of my bone flesh of my flesh right that is equality so in marriage what is there there is equality amen so whether in marriage outside of marriage there is equality amen aha uh-huh. equality serious equality so already i think we cannot let's go home and be i've, I've tried <laughs> i've tried there's no need to you know go after more things Amen. But then I know that we still have to share one or two things. Amen. So, when we understand that wonderful equality in Christ that already occurs from Genesis, we can now go down to um, look for trouble. Amen. And by looking for trouble, we're talking about reconciling age-old um, fables and myths. Let me say something. That if you follow religion as ad- or religion or let me say, not even religion, let me say... Um, if you follow tradition, right? There is no tradition that can actually lead you to what Christ offers. Traditions can have something that is nice, your culture and everything, but culture is not Christ. Culture is not Christ. Do you get? We must grow to the point as believers where we strip away culture. Where I look around and I can't find, like, I'm not saying, for example, you're Yoruba, you don't, 
roll on the floor for your elders no but those things must be tallied to god's word that is i'm doing this because god's word allows it god's word sanctions honor and respect so i'm doing this you understand but then where god's word begins to disagree with culture i disagree and there is no two ways about it where god's word begins to make a divide between culture and disagree you understand god is, did not call us to be cultural he called us to be like him amen because we are like him already amen so he says in christ there were all one and the same we are all what one and the same amen there is no inferior in fact in christ if you like be rich people there is no we are the same in christ jesus hallelujah glory to the lord jesus okay all right so now so throughout history there's always been this um there's been this question i mean we have just seen in christ jesus in genesis right from genesis that is the foundation of equality but then as we progress throughout the bible we see or it seems to be like women have been um you know put in the background somehow if you check cultures around the world and um, history you're going to see that it's as if ladies or women have been in the background you know i can play the background uh i just had to say that i'm so sorry but then they've been put in the background it seems like they are just you know warming chairs and that's why it's in this 21st century where all it's like i woke up oh my goodness women equality and everything people are <clears throat> struggling but then in that struggle some people are, are forgetting the reason some of the reasons why throughout history women seem to have taken a back seat you know some people forget some of the reasons amen so i want to get one of those reasons before i even dive into the word and everything i want to say that if you look at the bible for example look at um, the old testament look at the um, nation of israel you're going to see you're, you're not going to see many women you're, but you're going to, you, will, you will see women you will actually for example there is um Miriam, for example, Miriam was a prophetess, right? Miriam was Moses's sister. Exodus chapter fifteen, verse twenty, and Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out with her with timbrels and dances and everything. And Miriam answered them, "Sing ye the Lord, for He has triumphed." So Miriam actually was a spokesperson. She actually was doing ministry publicly. She was called a prophetess, and she was, you know, a prophetess, someone that prophesies. Amen. Well, it was a public ministry, so she was actually doing ministry. She was seen. Are you seeing that? So, we have that. We have another woman called Hulda. Hulda. Second Kings chapter twenty-two, verse fourteen. So Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam and Akbo and Shaphan and Asahiah went unto Hulda the prophetess, the wife of Shalom. So you are seeing that there was a woman called Hulda who was a prophetess, who was the wife of Shalom right the prophetess so definitely you are seeing that she was second uh, chronicles 34 verse 22 and hilkiah and they that the king had appointed went to Huda, the prophetess the wife of shalom so you are seeing that there was a there was a prophetess Huda, she was there you know Huda, wonderful lady prophetess right uh, her who also you know had rulership in israel and then we see another woman who you all know and her name is deborah right deborah so deborah chapter 4 verse 4 and deborah a prophetess the wife of lapidot she judged israel at the time so she was actually the ruler of israel at that time she judged israel she was the ruler of israel at that time are you seeing that so she was a judge she was a prophetess she was a judge are you seeing that so you're seeing women have actually had prominent roles in the bible 
right, in the nation of Israel, women have had prominent roles. But you don't see it frequently. Are you with me? You don't see it frequently. Now, why is that? In fact, the question is that, is there, in the laws of Moses, is there any, um, any law, because the nation of Israel was founded on the laws of Moses. Without laws of Moses, there's no nation of Israel. Let's just play that. The question is that in the, in the um, laws of Moses, is there any is there any law that Moses gave that says that women should be what prohibited, you know, from rulership? There's none like that. There's none like that actually. There's none like that. Of, but of course, there were there are some discrepancies and misunderstandings in the law of Moses that people had um, by the time Jesus had come, some people, some very vagabond people, Jews had distorted, right? An example is um divorce right and you know in the time of um like moses moses actually told them moses actually told them right that they could actually divorce okay deuteronomy chapter 24 verse 1 to 3 if you can just open there deuteronomy chapter 24 verses 1 to 3 right so it says when a man has taken a wife and married her and it's come to pass that he finds no favor in her eyes or she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her, then he then let him write a bill of divorcement and give it to her and send out of his house. I seen that. Uh-huh. So we are seeing that he allowed he allowed divorce. In fact, it says verse two and and when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if the latter husband hates her and writes her a bill of divorcement and gives it in her hand and sends her out of his house. Or if the latter husband died, which took her to his wife, her former husband. So basically, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read it by yourself. So you hate Deuteronomy and all those books. You understand? But then you see that Moses actually allowed divorce. So you know, it looks very cruel when he just says it like that. And you're like, ah, ah, Moses now, Pastor Mo, why now? Oh, why? Oh, Chale, why? So you read Matthew chapter 5, right? Okay, so that's Matthew chapter 19, actually. Matthew chapter 19. You now see here, it says, verse 3, And the Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying, right, saying unto him, tempting him, that is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? So look at this. When Moses said they can give a woman a bill of divorcement, the way they saw it was like, ah, anything, if my wife does anything I don't like, I can just divorce her. And that seems quite unfair because if you think about it, you just say, honey, why is this soup tasting like this? You put to Maggie, right? You put to, you stupid woman. To Maggie, I've always told you. Eh? In fact, you know what? I'm sending you back. So, yeah, come. Bring your certificate. Yeah? Divorce certificate. You just do a sign and everything. And then give her. Say, get out. And she'll just carry her stuff. Pack. Can you imagine her packing her things and going? And that's what they'll probably do. That's what they're practicing. Just, you know, any kind of in fact. There are some records that some of these people, they took it to the extent of actually, you know, trading their wives or something to pay debts and stuff like that terrible something so you now think that uh, uh, moses you bigot you <laughs> you hate our women why did you do this but jesus explains what really happened here he says so he says is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause and just answered and said to them have you not read that which that he which made them in the beginning made them was male and female and again, for this cause shall a man leave what father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, 
and the two shall become one flesh. Are you seeing that? So the reason why they are male and female, the difference is that the two shall become what? One flesh. Just like what we said before. Are you seeing that? Their differences is because of reproduction. Right? So, it says the two shall become one flesh. Now, wherefore, they are no more two, but they are one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So you have seen already, Jesus is telling them that the true intention of God in, in the beginning, in Genesis, was that they should never have divorce. There should be no divorcing. Now let me ask you a question. Who wrote Genesis? Moses. Who wrote Deuteronomy that we just read? Moses. Did Moses not know about Genesis when he was telling them they can divorce? He knew. But why did he do that? Look at this. It says... Okay, wherever there are no more two but one flesh, what therefore what God has joined together, let no one what separate. Verse 7. Then they said to him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put the put to put her away? So he said to them, Moses, because of the what hardness of your hearts. Are you seeing this? Because of what the hardness of your hearts. In other words, because of your stubbornness. This is due to what the fallen nature, but also just the hardness. The st- Have you ever read about Israelites? Very stubborn, hard-hearted people. You understand? The hardness of your hearts. He allowed you to put away your wives. But from the beginning was not so. Are you seeing this? So why did Moses allow that to happen? Because of what? The hardness of their heart. Their rebellious hearts. It, it wasn't in the plan. But he knew that if I tell you people, never divorce, you people cannot take it. Say, okay, let me do what you are, what you want this is what you want so i will give it to you amen and that's why when i'm reading laws of moses there are lots of laws in there that are given because of what the hardness of people's hearts not for us to keep them and that's the foolishness of it you go there and say i want to keep all 613 laws no 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 many of them are given because of the hardness of men's hearts are you seeing that uh-huh. they are allowed because of the hardness. so in this case what looks like bigotry it looks like um a, a putting down of women. I said Moses, Moses never ever had the intention of putting down women, but because of the hardness of their hearts, he allowed it. Amen. So, and I say to you, whoever shall put away his wife except for fornication. So he explains what Moses really meant. In fact, when Moses told them they can put away their wives, he was actually explaining that there's only one reason that you can even put away your wives. And let me say that in Christ it doesn't apply. In Christ, actually, there's no there is no application of it. No. Even then, God was saying in the Old Testament, I hate divorce. <laughs> I seen that. He said, except for fornication and shall marry another commit adultery. And whoever marries her put, put away does commit adultery. So, that is actually the context of it. I seen that. Aha. That is the context of it. <laughs> so, his disciples said unto him, if the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. <laughs> he said, it's not good to marry. Because they're like, man, how can you stay with one woman just like that? Ah, uh-uh, no. Because it must have been a very, very common custom to just say, I beg, this one, happy person is not tasting nice anymore. I don't know. It has lost his touch. I beg, let's, let's get out of here. You know, please get out, get out, get out. Uh, Mama Yaba has been making promises, and I think her husband is about to divorce her. So, you know, we can make this swap or arrangement. People were doing deals in those days, man. <laughs> so, you can see clearly also there that that was not in God's plan. Amen. So if you look through the Old Testament, look for other things. I mean, there are things that you that will look. They actually look like um, how will I put it? They really, really look like ah, you know, the woman was undervalued. You get some things. They they look like that. Amen. But like I said you will find out that in Christ, the perfection. If you read through it and you look for Christ, you will see that in Christ, that's where perfection is. Amen. 
Because when we come into Christ, you just see that it, all those things dissolve. They just fade away. So now I mentioned something. The fact that you would find that ministry, people, women were actually doing things, but it was what? Infrequent. It was very infrequent. It was not something that was, you know, prominent. And that is why I want to discuss something. There's, there's a... There's something that people don't consider when they think about this. For example, today now that we have all these rights and privileges in Christ, male and female, everyone is equal. Why are there... Um, there are many more women in ministry today, but why are there not as many... For example, if you look at the pioneering churches, there are churches that are, were begun by women, like, for example, there's Foursquare. Foursquare Gospel Church is a, more, it's a global ministry. The owner was a woman. Um... Amy Semple McPherson or something like that. But the question is, I mean, you don't see many, there are lots of women in churches today. There are lots of women that are pastors and female pastors. There are actually many more, you understand. But you will still see that men are more. You will see that, and and let me let me put it out to you that till Jesus comes, you understand that most likely men will be more because of a certain reason. You understand? A certain reason. It's the same reason if you look in the New Testament, you watch and we're going to go through that. You're going to see that there's still this infrequency, right? If you look at the time Jesus came, his apostles were 12, 12 apostles, um, 12 men, right? I'll say, oh, Jesus is not, you know, inclusion. And that's, this is also where society is becoming like a rotten pile of tomatoes because we want to do everything, everything inclusion. You understand? Let me ask you a question. So if someone says, is it, if someone says, right, I want to pick certain leaders for this cause and I want just men. Is it possible he can actually just pick it and not be a bigot? Is it possible? You understand? Is it possible? Because I think I see women can say, you know what? I want to pick this. I want to pick, uh, uh, you know, I want to do this and I just want women on this. Is she... You understand? Because I, I, we as believers have to be careful not to fall into the traps that we're hearing. Um today there's one called inclusion inclusion in in a sense if applied well it can be a good thing if in the sense of providing equal opportunities for everybody to come in it's a good thing but if it's in the sense that everything you do hmm, any single thing you must have if 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 the man does something you must have women inside you know you if i care you're not careful you just fall into the trap no no one owes you anything. It's just the same thing about race now. There's this whole idea on, you know, everywhere about race that uh, if you have a company, you must put black people inside there. No, no, no. What you owe people is equality of opportunities. Create opportunities for every single person to actually, be understand, get in. Men, women, and all that. That's what you owe people. But in the end, you still pick the best qualified people. You will still pick what you want. Sometimes I say you may just want men or you may just want women. It's your choice. Do you understand? Uh-huh. If not, we just become people that begin to point fingers at everything and we're just... Uh, it's, it's just something else. Amen? <laughs> okay, let me move on from that. But then one reason that um, we find out that women were seem to be excluded is just because... Notice we said that what... We said what's the difference between men and women who can actually be a good soldier or good student. And then what, what majorly from what we see in the Bible, what is the major difference? Why are men and women different? Why are they different? Because you have to realize that God, as much as God is God, and God can do things like as he wants to, but God is also very, very intentional about what he does. God doesn't just say, you know what? 
I'm God and I think I just want to. So he just does. No. God is very, very thoughtful and intentional. So why did why are they, you know, why is that? Yes, yeah, it's a woman, right? Aha. Uh-huh. In fact, Adam called, you know, in Genesis 3, I think, he calls the woman Eve. He says, for she is the mother of all living. Are you seeing that? She is what? The mother. So he again, he describes her based on what? Reproduction. So we are seeing, we see clearly that women, right, a woman's differences anatomically, right, and psychologically is for production. That's why women are wired the way they are. They are different. They are, you understand? Have you ever seen a woman handle a baby? Hey, <laughs> Kadaya Bada. You know me, I'm a, I'm a pops, so, uh-huh, so uh, I can tell you that the, most women are reluctant to leave their little their little children with their daddy <laughs> because uh, it, it's just going to be very, very different uh, scenario, <laughs> very different environment, I'm telling you. Not like men and okay people who you understand the hair, but you give it to them, they are built for it, uh-huh, they are built to give birth. I heard somewhere that there some men were one sign. Some scientists were saying that men too can also have children, and I'm like, my guy, you know, I say if you like, eh, spend the next 400 years <laughs> researching that thing. That is God's design. You cannot. I mean, they've done all they can do now. They've stripped away. They've removed. And you know, th- when you understand this, this now just makes all these um, arguments about the transgender thing just just makes it very very funny. Uh-huh. So. You are a woman. You are now a man. You are a man. How does that make sense? You know, by your reproductive abilities, you are different. You understand? You are different. By reproductive abilities, you are different. That's just the truth. So, how do you want to... How do you... How can you... I, 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 no, those things really annoy me. I just... I just leave it. <laughs> amen? I just... Because they're not, they're not sensible. Amen? You see that God gives a lot of thought to what he does. There's a lot of thoughts given. A lot of wisdom given to God's design. You understand? Think about it. A lot of wisdom. It's like, for example, I'm maybe I'm, I'm recording this with the camera, right? Camera and looking at it right now. The, the designer designed it with such intent, such wonderful intent. And he designed it for, you know, capturing videos and quality and everything. Now, he's thoughtful about why he made it. He's built it for the function. You understand? But then, you know, I can look at it and say, hmm, this thing looks nice. So for... Um, what I say, it's hard, so it's good for pounding. Um, I can use that and pound uh, this thing or break a um, palm kernel. You know, you know palm kernel, that palm kernel, the kernels. It's hard. It is hard. It will be good though, to break palm kernel. And I'll take it and begin to, you know, <laughs> what will I get? It's not the intention, amen. So, the intention of God, you understand. Is what he says, be fruitful and multiply and what fill the earth. It is God's ultimate divine purpose that men should fill the earth. Men and women should fill the earth. Are you seeing that? It is God's divine purpose that they fill the earth. They, you know, take over and and populate the earth. You understand? So if that is the goal, then he now, based on that um, goal in his mind, he now says male and female created them. Why? He says, be fruitful, multiply. So the, the, the reason they are different is so they can come together and multiply. Are you seeing that? They come together and they multiply. That is the reason for their differences. That is the reason, major reason for their uniqueness. Male and female, right? Aha. Since the two shall become one flesh. They will come, come one flesh and then from there, reproduction will happen. Glory to Jesus. Amen? So, <laughs> is someone following me? Is someone following me? Is someone following me? <laughs> Glory to God. I hope someone is following me. Mahandadozish. 
Hallelujah. Yeah. So, understanding that, you now really, really or should be able to get that women will all be based on the unique role that they play, which is childbearing, right? Childbearing. Based on childbearing, women will usually, because of that unique and wonderful role and specific responsibility, you understand, in God's divine assignment, they may not be as available as men. Simple. Just the nature of that, if you just consider it, (laughs) they probably will not be as available as men. Yeah. (laughs) Think about it. So, in, in, in the context of marriage, right? So, let's just say, so by that, I can actually easily say that the unmarried person, right? Bible even says about the, says that the unmarried woman, right? That she had, her desire is to please the Lord. Okay. First Corinthians 7, verse 34. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. A virgin is an unmarried woman. It says the unmarried woman cares for the things of the Lord that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married cares for the things of the world, how she may what? Please her husband. I seen that. And this is vice versa with married married men too. You understand? But because of the unique function of a woman in childbearing, you are seeing that it says clearly that the married the married woman, right, or the, the married woman will have more time on her hands. She will not be boggled down by, you know, children. You get taken care of infants. I mean, just think about it, the... The conceiving the pregnancy stage, carrying that big bump all around, then giving birth, postpartum, you know, all the things involved <laughs> with that. I mean, it's a whole lot. I will not lie to you. It's a whole lot. You understand? And then you won't have two, three, four children. You get this, this. So when you look at all that, you realize that it is much more difficult. It's not impossible. You understand? But it's much more difficult for a woman to especially head a ministry. You understand? Especially. Not that it's not possible. It's very, very doable. There are several people over the world doing it. Many. You understand? But I'm saying those those odds, those things make it a bit more, you know, complex. And for these reasons, you know, in history, you will see that women did more of those things. And I want to say this, that it is not, um, according to this thing, it is not slavery, you understand, to desire to do those things. It is not and let no one talk you down and tell you that as a as a woman that to want to be more homely and to be to to raise have to get married to have children and all that you know that's what they're telling them so these movements are telling women that is abnormal those things are abnormal it's wrong they're not being empowered they're not it's not non-total rubbish we see god's plan when you are in that plan there's nothing wrong with it are you seeing that it's just that you will be more limited do you understand you would have to multitask more you would have to be, you know, that's just it. And that's, that one, that's one major... Now, I won't lie that there are, there are also societal constraints that have held people, women down for many years. But I'm talking about in Christ. Amen? In Christ. You will see that in Christ. The reason why, you understand, some people may not be all out there. The reason why you will still have many more men only, you know, having or leading ministries and everything is because of this one thing. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't be... In fact, he does the Lord. Amen? Glory to God. And so we have lots of examples in the Bible of of men and women, you understand, um, or in the New Testament of how, um, you know, they actually did things for God. So my time is actually running out. By next week, when I come around, I most likely will, will continue from here and I will show you how 
um, Jesus in his time, the constraints on um, women in his time, and, and how Jesus' response was to that. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, of course, we... Um, okay, there are a few announcements. Every single morning, what we pray on... Um, on Mixlr, if you know, don't know, Mixlr is an app. Mixlr is the name of the app. Get it on the Play Store, or the App Store. Download it. It's an app that acts like a radio. So you can actually just ch- type "Young Ecclesia Nation," "Young Ecclesia Nation," and search for us. When you find us, you'll actually, um, um, what do you call it? You'll actually find us. And then every morning, 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., we're praying. We're going to be praying, and it's going to be awesome. So just join us, you know, and strengthen your prayer life. We pray for 30 minutes and usually it's very, very, very wonderful. So you just, you know, come on, join us and then you'll find us there every morning. And then, of course, if you want to get more um, teachings or explanations of these things, you can actually check the two platforms. You can go on Telegram and just type Pastor SEN and you'll find out my Telegram channel, Pastor SEN Talks, where all my teachings are there you can also check out my daily podcast where i release teachings every single day that one is available it's called anchor.fm slash emoji channel you can go check it out hallelujah and also my youtube just type uh, pastor i think uh, emoji channel on youtube and you should be able to get uh, some of my teachings okay as well as um, we also have young Ecclesia nations a youtube page amen hallelujah so that's it basically i believe you've been blessed um I just pray for people here who seem to have been struggling um, with their Christian work, uh, people who have been struggling, especially with these issues of feeling um, like they are left out of, of the conversation with God. Um, God is saying to you that you are not left out, that he loves you and that you are part of the conversation, that he has made you to be part of the conversation. Glory to Jesus. So God wants you to know you are welcome. You are welcome to his home and um, he loves you. Glory to God.